You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. You're listening to South Dakota Unlimited, the podcast for the average South Dakota sportsman, where we talk everything outdoors, hunting, fishing, trapping, conservation, and anything else that impacts you as a sportsman in the 605. Hosted by C.J. Peters. Now let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to today's episode of South Dakota Unlimited. Man, guys, we are so close to hunting season. I can feel it. I am going nuts. I needed to be here like yesterday. But still, looking at the bright side, we are almost two months away until archery deer opener, which I am incredibly excited for. And archery antelope is about a month and a half away, so I am really stoked for that. And I think it's, uh, yeah, September 1 is the Canada Goose opener. Um, so we're almost two months away for that for all you waterfowlers out there. I don't think I'll be doing that this year. I think I'll be a little more focused on some big game stuff. Um, but guys, we are getting so close. The itch is real. Need to make it happen soon. We're getting there. And to make it even more torturous, hopefully everyone got their firearm deer results from GFP this week. And man, that just really sets it in motion. Let's you know that it is coming. It is close. So, fair warning for everyone, time is winding down, get your preseason stuff taken care of, get your gun or bow down, dust it off, do some shooting, take out your significant other, wife, girlfriend, husband, boyfriend, whatever, get them out on a date or three, build those brownie points up so when you're gone this fall they don't get as mad. Um, But anyway, public service announcement for the day. On today's podcast... I bring on Mr. Joe Mayrose, who actually is an old college friend of mine, uh, and he is now a farm bill biologist for Pheasants Forever here in the state of South Dakota. Joe and I talk about a lot about what his job entails and how Pheasants Forever is promoting conservation in this great state of ours. It's a great episode to learn about the face of conservation and promoting habitat, specifically in the state of South Dakota. So give it a listen. I think you're really going to like it um, when we get to talk about our state bird Um, But before we get started, if you could please head over to Facebook and Instagram, give South Dakota Unlimited page a follow, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, 
do me a favor, please, and subscribe and leave a review. Let me know what you think, good or bad. I'll be able to take it. But uh, I would really appreciate your support. So let's get Joe on the phone, uh, kick off this second installment in the conservation series on the South Dakota Unlimited podcast. All right, let's get going. And on the phone now we have Mr. Joe Mayros. How are you doing? Doing good. I always know you as, as Joey from college, but do you are you more official now, professional? You go by Joe. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. Most okay. of my stuff is Joe now. So all right. Well, I'll uh, I'll try to adjust now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So just go ahead and tell everybody a little about who you are, where you're from, what you do, and kind of how you got to where you are. Sure. So I'm Joe Mayrose. I'm the Pheasants Forever um, Farm Bill Biologist um, out of Watertown. Um, so I cover Coddington, Duell, and Hamlin counties. Um, and I've been in that Watertown area about, I don't know, six, seven months or so. Um, and before that, I was out uh, West River um, in Tripp County out of winter for oh, about two and a half years or so. Um, but uh, I grew up uh, Northwest Iowa. Um, then went to school at South Dakota State where I got my degree in wildlife and fisheries science. Um, and while at school, I you know, did a lot of internships um, through Game of Fish. Um, started out originally in fisheries and then uh, kind of changed my paths a little and went more um, with the wildlife side of things. So worked a few um, seasonal jobs there before I got hired on with PF out of winter and been with them ever since coming up on about four years now. I've been with PF here in the state of South Dakota. Awesome. And then, so you had some internships leading up to that. What were some of the ones you had after the fisheries internship? Um, so I did uh, a wildlife damage internship out of the Webster area. Um, and then I did um, kind of a seasonal one out in the hills um working with big game out there for a little over a month or so before i got hired on full-time with pf awesome sounds like a good time um is that the same one that john's doing up there now that wildlife damage out of webster yeah okay Yep. Yep. that seemed like a pretty fun job so what's your what's your total time then in your uh the farm bill biologist role um just about just about four years. Four years. Yeah, just about of, three and a half, four years. Yeah, somewhere in of, there. We've been out of college that long. That's a little <laughs> unnerving. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I felt that on uh, yesterday morning after an interesting night. I'm not as young yeah. as I once used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Anyway, back on track. Uh, so you got to work with Fence Forever. Uh, just kind of tell us a little bit about your role uh, and what you do, because I feel like I don't really know much about what a farm bill biologist would do. Um, so I'm sure. sure I'm not the only one, but. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So what we do is, uh, so we're a partnered position, um, the farm bill biologist. Um, so our positions are, you know, funded in partnerships with the USDA and then game fish and parks. Um so that's kind of where we get funded to have these positions. Um, and 
in the state. Um, and then kind of what we do as farm bill biologists, our big workload, you could say is uh, CRP. Um, we write a lot of CRP contracts in the state. Um, we're also providing a lot of, you know, just technical assistance to producers and landowners. Um, just working with them to help meet their, you know, habitat goals um, and kind of being there along the way um, and help see those projects, you know, to completion and help them out that way. Um, and then we also work with other private lands programs in the state. Um, and some of those, you know, we can, we at least know who the contacts are when we're working with a guy, you know, if there's different, you know, funding with a different grant or a different program, you know, we're kind of the good, you know, point of contact, I guess, to help, help point those landowners uh, in the right direction and get them on the path uh, for their habitat goals. So then is that something where they reach out to you first or would you normally reach out to them? Uh, first? Yeah. Nope. Nope. A lot of guys, um get in contact with us um and then we kind of go from there you know kind of see you know go meet with them in the field see what they're interested in doing um and then yeah just work with them and kind of see which which plan fits best and what their habitat goals are um and yeah just really work working with the landowners producers and uh seeing what their goals are and helping them along the way to achieve those goals so then when they give you their goals, whatever they are, I mean, is that something that you're able to also guide them and say, this is kind of what their end goal is then. And then you come back and say, well, these are the steps you need to take or how does that exactly work? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it depends. Every, you know, every situation is different. So rarely is there, you know, projects that are, you know, identical, everything's a little different. But yeah, we try to help them, you know, see what their best options might be and, you know, just help them guide along with that decision process and just help them the best we can achieve their goals. And so like, what might, what would, like, what would the advice, I guess you'd be giving like, okay, you should leave X amount of acres of CRP or you like, this would be like a buffer crop that you should plant or I guess how to like, what, how, I guess what's a better picture of that? Like the oh, advice yeah. that you would give them? Well, it, you know, like I said, it depends. Mm -hmm. um, you know, let's say a guy comes in and he's, you know, wants winter cover or something. So we'd work with him on, you know, different grass mixes that would, you know, best do some winter cover to, you know, help shelter wildlife. Um, same thing with like nesting cover, you know, what's good nesting cover. So we would, you know, go through and, you know, look at some different options of some good nesting cover and, things like that. Um, so those are big things, you know, working that, you know, that way, weighing those options, seeing what they're maybe lacking if they don't have a lot of winter cover, or they don't have the nesting cover. Um, and then just working with them, you know, through that and kind of lay out the options and see, you know, whether, whether CRP is their option or not, you know, um, or a different program works, um, you know, kind of just going through that, that process with them. So then I guess um, what, what, what drives these landowners to do that? Are a lot of them farmers and the, is there any incentive for them or they just solely want to produce better habitat? It's a mix. 
it's uh, really a mix. So there's, you know, a lot of guys who like habitat and want to do a lot with habitat. Um, there's some guys who, you know, are looking at, you know, their ground and maybe they're realizing that some of their acres aren't as profitable. Um, so then they look at taking those non-profitable acres and doing something like CRP, you know, where they're getting a rental payment and cost share to, you know, turn crop ground back into grass and, you know, seeing where that kind of profit margin falls for them. You know, if they're on these low yielding acres year after year, um, sometimes CRP tends to be pretty appealing for guys because they're getting that rental payment annually um, and they get, you know, a little cost share to help them through uh, establishing the grass stand and managing it. Um, so yeah, there's kind of, kind of both there. Um, and it kind of goes beyond habitat too. Um, we got a lot of guys who do, um, grazing, like we work a lot with grazing, better grazing management for better habitat, you know, but it's not just solely on just putting crop back into grassland. Um, we do a lot of working land stuff too. Um, and the big, you know, example of that is working with a lot of ranchers too on grazing lands um, and better grazing practices and things like that. And so just utilizing their land better so that way it not only benefits them as ranchers, but also the habitat for wildlife. Exactly. Yep. Okay. And then you said something about you write contracts too. Yep. CRP. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's our partnership with USDA. Um, you know, if a guy comes in and he's interested in CRP, you know, we work with him on which practice under CRP is going to work, you know, kind of best for them um, and help them through that. And then, you know, there's contracting and those contracts are, you know, typically 10 to 15 year contracts for CRP. Um, and then they would get, you know, an annual rental rate payment and a little cost share um, just to help establish that CRP. Okay. And so that's your partnership with USDA. And so I guess it sounds like you wear a lot of hats and do a lot of different things, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a lot, you know, we definitely wear a lot of hats and, but it all comes back to just, you know, helping provide that technical assistance and getting good, good habitat out there um, and just helping, you know, producers meet their goals. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different alleys we can go to get there. Um, so we kind of got to stay on our toes and stay up to date with everything as best we can uh, to work with these producers and landowners. What do you, what would you say is like, what is it that you do most? Would it be like working with doing the CRP stuff? Would you say, or would it be the, um, the technical assistance and helping people meet their habitat goals or what, what would you say is like the majority of your job? Yeah. So a lot of that, I guess, kind of comes together as one. Um, I would say most of our primary workload is with CRP, um, that way and utilizing that program. Um, but there's other, you know, private lands programs too, that the state has some different things for same thing, grass establishment, um, kind of stuff for trees. Um, there's some stuff out there with that too. Um, but yeah, I would say a big part of it is, uh, working with CRP is our, our big workload in the state. And is that something that's like specific to 
your partnership, obviously through USDA, but especially with Pheasants Forever, because, you know, when people think Pheasants Forever uh, or Pheasants, they kind of think of CRP. So is that something that's like specific to Pheasants Forever as you in your role as a farm biologist or do other like nonprofits share that same role in certain places? Or do you know? Um, I think a lot of it's, you know, somewhat in, intertwined a little bit, you know, through when, a, you know, a producer comes in and is looking for something, you know, they kind of go through all these different alleys to, you know, find out what's going to work best for them um, and get that advice. And different organizations, you know, may go through something else, but uh, with PF here in the state and our farm bill um, program here with our PF biologists here. Um, that's our main main thing is uh, our main workload would be CRP and then the other private lands programs that are available too. Okay. And so I guess that kind of leads us into Pheasants Forever. Um, so the, I mean, obviously the goal of Pheasants Forever is conservation in a, in a well, I shouldn't assume, but correct me if I'm wrong. The goal of Pheasants Forever is to manage land help manage land in a way that promotes conservation for all of wildlife, but especially for pheasants. Sound about right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's close. But our uh, PF's goal or mission, we call it our mission is to conserve pheasants, quail and other wildlife through habitat improvements, public access, education and conservation advocacy is PF's mission statement. And so that's like, basically, if I took labels off both of them, your job description and the mission statement for PF would be pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's getting out there and, you know, spreading the word about habitat, providing assistance to get there. Um, and yeah. yeah. So like what else would is Pheasants Forever currently doing to achieve that goal? So outside of your position, uh, as the farm bill biologist, what, what are some other things that Pheasants Forever is doing? Um, a lot of things, you know, um, with that, I would say go into um, like workshops and a lot of chapter stuff. Um, so around the state, most of our farm bill guys do a lot of workshops that are, you know, open to the public and, you know, we kind of go through and break down, get into CRP a little more um, and break that down more and get into some other, you know, programs or well. And, you know, sometimes we have our partners there um, to talk about their different programs as well. Um, so that's a big one that we work with. And then a lot of chapter stuff. Um, a lot of the local chapters have a lot of different events that they're hosting just besides their banquets, you know. Um, a lot of people, you know, I just go right to thinking all oh, the local banquet, but there's a lot of other events that a lot of chapters do, you know, kind of outside that banquet season. So what would like, what would be these other events be outside of the banquets? So outside of the banquets, there's, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like volunteer events that people can do or, or is it other things like the yeah. workshops? No, um. Some of the things a lot of chapters, you know, do is um, youth hunts, um, do a lot of that. You know, some chapters have some different shooting events. Um, 
some chapters hold some like pollinator events more targeted around you know like kids getting them outside and going through some different pollinator things uh with the kids um i'll mention one here uh chamberlain kind of has a unique one that their chapter does um they actually do an adult hunt um and they kind of look for you know adults who you know maybe maybe hunted in the past um or got out of it or maybe it's a new hunter that's an adult and you know just trying to get back into it um so chamberlain has an adult hunt like that and they kind of go out and shoot some trap in the morning um then they go out on a hunt and you know hopefully get some birds uh if not they always have some when they're done just like go through the cleaning process and stuff like that after you know the hunt and do that um someone's kind of unique one um that's in the state here so it's like sounds like a lot of the events are outside of the banquet anyway i mean uh, be like public education and hunter recruitment and just promoting the wildlife i guess uh tradition in in south dakota is that right yeah yep and so is that is that like a main focus as well outside of the conservation is is this hunter recruitment and the public education about what's required for conservation i don't know if that made any sense but <laughs> no sure yeah we i mean it's a lot of education and that kind of ties back into the workshop too um different things or different events you know with the kids like the pollinator events and things like that um yeah and that's all you know, a part of it is just getting that outreach out there and doing those things with the public and, you know, having those local chapters be there to, you know, help out with those things and have volunteers come in and help, you know, setting stuff up and getting things organized. Um, so yeah, it's, it's also a really big part there. Yeah. And I think that's, well, I feel like anymore, especially with like the three R push, which is like, yeah, I'm, totally spacing on the third R, but recruitment, something in retention. Do you remember what the third R is? I can't, it just came to mind. So I'm definitely blanking on that, <laughs> but I, I feel like that's a main push among a lot of the conservation agencies these days, um, whether they realize it or not. And I think pheasants forever in, in that specific regard is really pushing it. I mean, because if anybody is plugged into the outdoor media world especially in podcast it's all about you hear it all over it's about you know hunter numbers are declining and these opportunities will disappear if we don't reverse that trend and it just sounds like once again pheasants forever is encouraging that in its own unique way centered around pheasants um to make sure that that tradition does not go away which yep. is really cool which i mean there's yeah. so many agencies and in, in public you know the conservation agencies in the state or chapters or groups like pheasants forever that are doing the same things, which is just really cool, but it's all geared toward their, their own niche, which is just fun. But yeah, I believe it's recruitment, uh, retention and reactivation. That's I it. Believe yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Joey for the Joe for the win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what else is, is pheasants forever doing or what, I mean, they do a ton. So what am I missing? What, what, what's the main, one of the main things that I'm missing about what pheasants forever does and what they stand for. So we've talked about kind of your role and doing with CRP and habitat 
some of the public education. What what else do you have to add? Or did we pretty much hit the nail on the head with those? You know, I think we did a pretty good job there. Um, with kind of going over all the stuff, you know, the big things like education and, you know, just working with guys to provide, you know, help them meet their management goals uh, mm-hmm. and get good habitat on the ground and keep, keep getting good habitat on the ground, you know, um, we're always pushing, you know, to get, you know, habitat in. And another thing, you know, we got, Oh, we got 20 some biologists throughout the state um, and different positions. We're not all farm bill biologists. We have uh, three coordinating wildlife biologists, which they work primarily with easements. Um, And then we got uh, monarch and pollinator coordinating wildlife biologists. does a lot of stuff with pollinators and things like that, different events. Um, we got a soil health specialist. Um, we got a precision egg specialist. So, you know, we got a lot of different people with a lot of, you know, different specialties across the, t- the state, um, you know, kind of all working together and a lot of different, you know, partners too, that we work with all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just, spreading the word and working with producers and, you know, just working to get good habitat out there um, and providing, you know, good assistance and helping those producers reach their goals. And how are, how are you guys, I guess, pheasants forever quantifying or able to tell that their goals are being reached, like they're conserving X amount of acres or, or they look at, you know, acres of a habitat or do they look at nest numbers or bird numbers as a total or how do they i guess know that what you guys are doing is working or meeting the goals that you want to see so you know there's you know every year we got you know total acre counts or the state comes out with you know acreages of crp um but, you know, good habitat, when it comes to just having that good quality habitat on the landscape and, you know, that's something that we can work to, with to try to control, but granted weather, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that that's a big thing that's out of, out of our control. Um, but, you know, if you got the good habitat out there and you're providing that and, you know, you're setting up everything that's going to work best, you know, hopefully with the wildlife, um, then in return, you know, we should be seeing, we should be seeing things improve and just given, you know, the wildlife, the best chance they have as best we can with providing them with the best habitat that we can. Yeah. And so do you guys even look at nest numbers? I guess that, that would be a good question to ask too. Is that something um, that they can do account? No, we, not as uh, farm bill biologists. No, not in your role. Okay. Yep. Okay. But as a whole, does Pheasants Forever look at that? Or is that more like the state controls or looks at that more than anything and lets Pheasants yeah, Forever focus on? Yeah, you know, the state's on? mostly handling that kind of stuff and doing their projects with that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our big thing is just focusing on getting getting the good habitat out there on the ground. Right. Yeah. Okay. Didn't mean to shoot you through a curveball, <laughs> but I just I was just curious. Oh. I didn't know if that fell under Pheasant Forever's realm or if that was more of GFP's realm. Yep. Um, so I guess as much as you can say, because I know we talked earlier about certain things haven't been released yet. Um, what are the goals for pheasants forever in South Dakota going forward? Like, are there, is there a quantitative goal or is it simply just managing the habitat to the best of your guys' ability? Yeah. So our big thing is, you know, pushing to get a bunch of habitat back out there on the landscape. Um, you know, that's our big thing. That's what we're always pushing for just getting more habitat um, and working with guys, you know, especially on these like low yielding acres um, or on, you know, stuff that's just not really providing um, to some of these guys. So that's our big thing, pushing for a lot of habitat. Um, Then we are, you know, in the process of coming out with like a five-year strategic plan. Um, And that's still, you know, in the works. So, I'm sure down here in the road, that'll be out there um, for everyone to, you know, see. Um, but right now, like I said, that stuff's still kind of in the works here mm-hmm. and put that plan together. So, and so what would you say to the, I guess, I guess you could say average Joe, but we're all kind of average Joes or in my case, maybe a little below. Um, what would you say to the average Joe that wants to get involved in a, a conservation organization and more than just going to a banquet and shelling out money, who really wants to get involved and see the work in progress? How can they do that? Sure. So the big thing, I guess I would say is, you know, just reach out, you know, try to find a farm bill biologist, or if you got a local chapter of Pheasants Forever, you know, just reach out, go to a meeting with those guys and see kind of what they have rolling you know, in their area, because every area has got some different stuff within their chapter that they're doing. Um, so volunteering your time, you know, going there, doing that, you know, a big thing, you know, since Pheasants Forever is a nonprofit, you know, a big thing is becoming a Pheasants Forever member. Um, you know, that's our big source of funding is actually becoming a PF member. Um, but yeah, just getting involved in volunteering time, you know, going to these chapter events, meetings, um you know helping with the different events um it all goes a long way and it really helps you know just get the word out there more and just gets you know communities involved um and yeah a lot of great things come from that absolutely and and i guess that's just part of being a conservationist if if anyone says they are a conservationist but they only give some money um maybe looking to doing something else because like two percent for <laughs> conservation I mean, yeah, that's fantastic. If you're giving money to a conservation organization, keep it up. But like 2% for conservation is, is I think it's a really cool idea behind that. Whereas you're giving 1% of your time and 1% of your money to conservation. And it's just another way to do that. But well, uh, before we cut it off here, anything you also want to add about Pheasants Forever? Or any words of encouragement for those out there? <laughs> Oh, I would just say if, you know, anyone listening has got, you know, any questions or any producers or anyone's out there listening that wise, um, just reach out to your local 
biologist. I know on our Pheasants Forever, on their, you know, internet page, you can go and search um, on there and find a local PF biologist if there's, you know, one somewhat close to you. Um, reach out and, you know, we'll help them best that we can. Uh, other than that, you know, just try to, if you can and you're able, you know, and interested, you know, go see what those chapters, local chapters have going. Um, if your area doesn't have a chapter and you're interested in starting one, we can sure, you know, try to help you out the best way we can with that process. Um, but yeah. Awesome. Well, if, uh, I guess the best way to get a hold of anyone, like you said, is hop online probably and, and just Google Pheasants forever. <laughs> that's usually what I do if I'm yeah. interested in what yeah. chapters are. Oh, that's the good. There's also, I believe the South Dakota Habitat Pays website uh, also has a map on there too with a list of all the farm bill biologists. And then it also has, uh, you know, other contacts for other partners there. Um, so yeah, those are all good, good places to start anyway. And all it takes is a phone call and somebody will get you down the right track, get you to the person you need to be talking to. Sounds good, Joe. Well, I appreciate your time and, uh, we'll hope to get you on again soon. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks. And once again, folks, that is a wrap. I appreciate you all taking the time to take a listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, before we cut it off, once again, I have to encourage all of you, if you are not part of a conservation organization, please reach out and get involved. If you are not sure where to start, reach out to me or someone you know, and I or whoever will help you get in contact with the right person uh, to get you involved in what you are interested in. Uh, the future of our hunting tradition, our public lands, our wildlife, and frankly, our way of life truly depends on us getting involved, putting in our time, putting in our money, and just investing in conservation. Um, so I'll leave you with that. Until next time, everyone, get out there and get prepared to this fall. Remember, it's only two months away.